Animal Fire Radio. This episode's brought to you by Notorious Fire Company. Firefighter owned and operated Notorious Fire Company manufactures and creates quirky and unique items for the fire service. Whether it's your stainless steel water bottles, tumblers, four-in-one koozies, you can decorate your emotional support water bottle with more than 100 different designs they offer so very much. From apparel to swag to stickers, they got you covered. Check them out at NotoriousFire.com. That's N-O-T-O-R-I-O-U-S, NotoriousFire.com. And check them out on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at NotoriousFire. And this month with the podcast, if you use coupon code Fire Radio June 2023, that is Fire Radio June 2023, you'll get free shipping on all orders within the U.S. So check them out, NotoriousFire.com. Lenny and the crew, they're making great stuff. And I have to tell you, with the summer upon us, the sticker packs are out of control. You got everything from Star Wars to pinups and everything in between. Slap them on your beer fridges, your coolers, and your tumblers and celebrate the summer in style with Notorious Fire. A good supporter and longtime friend. We're happy to have him on the podcast with us. Check him out, NotoriousFire.com and coupon code FIREADIOJUNE2023 for free shipping all across the U.S. This episode's brought to you by Box Alarm Grills. When your apparatus arrives on scene, are you making the best showing? Looking to set your rig apart from everyone else? Want your engine, truck, or rescue to be easily identifiable? There is a solution. With large aluminum grill numbers and full-width rear mud flaps from Box Alarm Grills. Formed by Danny and a team of fellow firefighters, Box Alarm Grills gets it. They know what it means to show pride in your ride, delivering the quality construction and design that fire departments demand. That's why their grill numbers and mud flaps grab attention, enhance visibility, and make your fleet recognizable on scene while responding or just driving around town. Built in the USA by a family-owned business, Box Alarm Grills is quickly becoming the choice of fire companies, apparatus planners, and fire truck manufacturers with out-of-the-box or custom solutions. Check out functional, durable grill numbers and mud flaps from Box Alarm Grills today at BoxAlarmGrills.com and on Facebook and Instagram. And like Danny and his crew like to say, add pride to your ride. Hey everyone, Jeremy National Fire Radio. Welcome back to the podcast. Today is going to be a fantastic episode. I say that every time I open up this episode because I have the coolest guest today, Brad Asenzi. 23 years out of the Houston, Texas Fire Department, 26 years overall in the fire service, four years with the DOD, wanted to be a cop, went to the military, became a fireman, and then now Houston fireman 23 years later. My man, Tower Company 18, the chauffeur. My man, what is up, and welcome to the show. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it, man. This Glad is cool. Here. Yeah, well, so let's talk about this real quick. We, uh, I get introduced to you at FDIC uh, this past year, uh, so back in April. Waylon Kelly, who Wayland is like this guy that I just absolutely love, always smiling, always loving life, guy works harder than probably anyone I know. Uh, he comes walking, he stops me in the hallway at FDIC. He's got these two monsters standing next to him. Big Brad and little Brad. You're little Brad at 6'2". Big Brad, 6'5". Yes, He's your boss mm -hmm. right on the truck. And uh, and yes. we, we strike up a fantastic conversation. 
And uh, and here we are two months later chatting, and now you're on the show because, frankly, I just love meeting new guys and hearing their stories and then learning about you a little bit. Uh, it's a hell of a story. Uh, there's a lot to tell. But uh, I think what I want to say is this. I really like what you stand for and where you're coming from with your mindset. And, um, and we're going to get into that as we talk. But literally, before I start any podcast, I spend like 5, 10, 15 minutes with the guests beforehand, before we hit record, and I get to meet them and get to know them a little bit because a lot of times now I'm interviewing guys that I really don't know. I've met them a few times or somebody refers them to me. I said, yeah, let's learn their story. So I have to do a little background to understand who the guest is. But, man, I wish I hit record 10 minutes ago because our pregame was like <laughs> – it was incredible, brother. Give me a little awesome. bit, Give me a little bit of background, man. Like your, your early days, I kind of opened up with wanted to be a cop, went to the military, became a fireman. Now you're in Houston. And you love the job, man. Um, yes, talk to sir. me about how all that came to be. You know, I mean, it's average kid growing up, you know, playing sports and uh, kind of had a, a career playing football, college football, and to kind of flush that down the toilet and end up being on a little road to go to the military. And, uh, you know, spent my whole life, my childhood best friend, wanting to be cops. I mean, we were living the Miami Vice dream, trying yeah. to be cops our whole life. And I went to the military and uh, they gave me my job offer. And I was like, oh, there's a cop. I'll pick that. And then you get six choices. And then I saw a fireman on there as well. You know, now being a fifth generation fireman and my mom and dad's whole side of the family being a fire department, I'm like, yeah, I'll pick fireman, whatever. And thank God they, they, the military made me a fireman. Because if I was a cop, I'd probably be fired the first day. But, uh, <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Especially nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. In, different uh, world. Yes, sir. And I went to the fire service and fell in love with it and uh, did my time in the military and got out and applied here in the city of Houston and got hired over there and worked for some amazing people and learned a lot. Uh, I'm a big person about, you know, shut up and just listen. Because to me, in my eyes, uh, firemen learn from messing up. I've always told myself, without failure, there's no success. So the only way I'm going to learn how to do things is to do it. And I always tell young firemen now, listen, you're going to mess up and you're going to, you know, learn from it. That's how we learn, you know. I don't know very many guys that started a boxing career and never lost a fight. That's right. But let me. How you important know. is it to talk about our our mistakes and our failures? I mean, that's the thing, right? It's like I mean, that, that's my. If I have a pet peeve is when we're training, you know, it's at the station or uh, one of my side jobs. I can always tell the guy that's unsure because they don't say a whole lot. Mm. You know, if if, if, if if there's a fear I have in the fire department now is every fireman knows that they have a weakness somewhere, but they don't want to bring it to light because. They're afraid of being judged by their peers. I'm right. like, listen, man, I know I like I know what my weaknesses are. And I'm gonna spend extra time that and I'll make it aware to everybody so they might have a tip or idea to help me through it or whatever. Because, you know, luckily things don't go bad that often. But when they do, I don't wanna be the crutch of this whole problem. You know, if you have a weakness, you need to tell us. Let's get better at it and work on it. But a lot of guys nowadays, they'll sit back there and they'll stand back in the crowd because they know they suck at this or it's hard for them. And they don't, they, they feel their peers are going to judge them off of it. Yeah. 
Were you were you always like that? I mean, young playing football and then you coming up through the military. Oh, yeah. I mean, were you were you always yeah. like that? I always have been. Always have been. I mean, because to me, it's that's what keeps me going. You know, because I listen to your show forever, and everyone says the same thing. We never stop learning. Yeah. You know, I was told once by a guy that the day you think you know everything, you need to stop working, you get yourself killed. Yeah. Maybe you can sit back in your chair and say, "Hey." I'm the best at everything. I don't need to train at all. I know it all. I've been there, done that. You know, to me, it's, that's 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 not how the department gets better. That's not how the crew gets better. Yeah, we got to constantly strive to do our job better. I I love the the. I'm thinking about you. Got me thinking about you. Said you played football and then you go to the military and these are all team activities. And I know like my foundation was organized sports. I mean, I played high school sports. Went uh, got recruited to play lacrosse in college, and uh, I and I ended up throwing that away um, because oh, I just too. yeah I threw away a Division One lacrosse uh, program because I was uh, just not thinking straight. And uh, I threw it away, uh, and and I regret that. Um, but life's funny, and how life works out, and who knows if I stayed oh, with yeah. it, what it would have done, not my, done, I don't know. But my story's worse than that. My girlfriend told me if you leave, we're breaking up. And I'm like, well, I love you. I'm not leaving. Oh, yeah. girl, huh? See how well that. See, that's see how well that every time, me. brother. Every freaking time. <laughs> mine was uh, mine was partying too much in college and enjoying oh, the enjoying the fast yeah. life. Uh, girls, oh, yeah. booze. You know, partying. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. Uh, I tried that. Yeah. Yeah. I and that. That, that was my ticket away from home was going away to college. And I threw away a lacrosse career. Now, I, I, I highly doubt I would have been playing professional lacrosse making millions of dollars because those guys just don't make that money. But yeah, like, no, but so. it would have been more organized. You know, my, my life in college would have been much more structured, which is probably what I needed back then. But I threw it away. Um, I don't have regrets. 100%. I don't have regrets, but that's one thing that stands out to me as I look back on life a little bit now at 46 years old and think about what I probably should have done a little bit better or, or a different direction. And I hope that I can instill that in my kids that they don't have a regret maybe that I have uh, to throw something away because, you know, you, you took the easy road. Um, and yep. so that sticks with me. But where I want to go with this is the organized sports and then the military, you know, the, the spirit of the military. I think people that come out of uh, out of a, a, a past years and experiences with organizations like that, whether sports or military, there's this focus on the team, right? There's this yep, focus 100%. on it's not about me, it's about us, right? Like if you're the running back, you're the quarterback, you're the, the right tackle, whatever position you're in on that football field, if you have a weakness, your guys need to know so they can cover for you, right? And that's, 100%. that's what we need in the fire service now more than ever. And, and the only way we do that is self-awareness and admitting to that, right? Yes, and that, that's what I understand. I don't know why when, you know, I was told years ago that a fire station is like a fraternity house. It's a bunch of guys hanging out with no beer, all right? But at any split second, your life can change. And it could be the day of the fire that you hope you never made or you hope you would make or whatever. And not being up to game at that moment would eat me alive. Yeah. I mean, I've always, I've always been when I was a fireman to even the, the driver. Now I'm the last priority on this truck. Everybody else is in front of me. Mm. I'm all about them. I've always been, I know as when you were a boss on a, on, a, on a company, your job is to oversee and protect everybody. Okay. I've always put myself in the last person on the priority list role. 
it's about everybody else. And brother, I, I don't see how guys, you know, don't live that way. And maybe because I had an old school chief that beat that to our heads years ago. But I mean, it really drives me nuts when I know guys have weaknesses. And you can, you've been to trainings, and you can tell the guys are kind of shy in the very back. They don't want to get called out and look bad. Yeah. Yeah, they shy away from opportunity, right? That's that's the thing that stands yeah. out to me. Any guy that shies away from an opportunity, I, I have to automatically question. Yes, sir. 100%. You know, you guys down in Houston, you get your fair share. I mean, you guys have had um, a very uh, colored past a lot of line of duty deaths uh over the years you've uh you know a lot of civilian fatalities you have a lot of fire the city of houston is a busy busy fire town and i know you've been involved with a lot of different you know uh profiled fires and and so on so when you talk about the importance of ready to go you guys certainly have it down there and you got to be put together you were saying that your company the rookie has 15 years yeah, yeah, our youngest fireman's got 15 years on the job, and doesn't has they have the, our our core guys have no desire to ever promote. They love riding on the back of that ladder truck, and you know they've come to realize that when you have a good solid crew and everybody works right. I mean, to me, I know when that we're I know that we're good. I know everyone thinks their company's the best. All right. I understand. You should have pride where you work at. But we're going to a fire and all that's said and we're first dupe. And all it's said out of the front is we're going to the roof, we're going inside, and everybody knows what to do, what to grab, and what everybody else is doing. You know you've made it. Yeah. There's something about you know? that, man. I I it's, love I, I love it. Go ahead. I mean, and to me, that's kinda how I am. I mean I don't – I take so much pride in my work that, like, you'll hardly – I think maybe once or twice in my career, they got some videos of it that I've not been to bed earlier, <laughs> got bed drunk, tired. Yeah. But, like, I always go to bed about 8, 30, 9 o'clock for to work, and I'm the first one there using the morning time. And I don't go inside. I mean, I don't go inside to have coffee or set the table until everything's checked off and good. Because once I get there – I throw my gear in that ladder truck. I'm taking the next run. And I'm not going to go inside and sit down and have coffee until I know every truck is where we want it at. Yeah. The tools are set up the way we want to use them. All my stuff's ready to go. And a lot of guys do that. Where does that come from? I got you. Where does that come from? Honestly, it's complacency. Eh, Nothing's going to happen today. We ain't made a fire in three months. Yeah. But for you... Like this, this checks. It just, yeah. The guy, the guy that drove the truck before I did, Dwayne Wobble, probably the best truck chauffeur the city's ever seen. One of the best. That's the way he did. He drove that. He drove that truck uh, from 1990 to 2017. Wow. There you go. And he instilled in me a work ethic of what needs to get done. And I've always been that way. Even when I was a pipe and ride in the back, I got there, put my stuff on the truck. Made sure my air pack was good. All my gear was ready to go. It's always been that way. It, it, I think a lot of it, like you said, comes from the military. Yeah. You know? Like, to me, I'd much rather work for a boss that tells me what, he, what to do. I'd much rather you give me a whole book of rules to follow, because then I have to worry everybody getting in trouble. Because you're telling me how to eat, breathe, walk, talk, 
shit, yeah. however you want to call it. It makes it easier for me. I don't want to play guessing games with you. That's that's huge. That's huge. The expectations, right? We we expect yes, we expect so much from our guys, and then we don't tell them what we expect from them. Yes, one hundred percent. And then the, the guys are playing guessing games with yeah. you. Well, I did I did this, and he yelled at me. So I'll, I'll try doing this. He yelled at me for that. Well, you know that's you know, that's. <laughs> I literally I'm where I'm at because the guys I work for. I literally just had this bipolar conversation the other day, and I was like, man, it's like the same guy. You tell him one thing one day, he reacts this way. The next day, you tell him exactly the same thing, he reacts totally different. There's so much of that in the fire service today. It's driving me nuts. It is, you know? I mean, I, I think, you know, and I don't know how up there it is, but I think the fire service is becoming a die and breathe. Mm. Talk about that. Not very many people want to go sweat and work anymore. I, I I I couldn't imagine myself locked in an office sitting there. Yeah. You know, at the fire station, what's going to happen today? Can't no one in the world answer that because you don't know what's going to happen. And that's, to me, makes the job fun because every day is something different. Yeah. Yeah. And you got to be prepared for all those things. Oh, that's the thing, right? I mean, that's why you got to be on your game. Like, and I think being on your game means you got to be involved. You got to be included. You got to take initiative. You got to, you got to get there early. You got to put your stuff out. You got to check the rig. You're not going on a run without having everything checked. Like those are those things that are like those foundational bricks for success. And you got to have that when you're not dialed in like that. That's when things go South. They go sideways. And and, and that's the whole deal. I mean, I've been with, the guy I drive now since 07 minus two years. All right. And even we work Thursday and if we make a fire Thursday, we get back to the station or maybe on the scene, wherever I still go to like every call. Hey, are you happy with the way I did this way? I did that. Or what can I do better? Okay. Every call. Yeah. We make a fire and we put the stick up or I got the ladders for the guys to get on the roof or whatever it may be, or, whatever assignment we had that day. And I do my part outside. Even after having this friendship with him since 07 and working for the guy, I still come back to him. Hey, you like the way I parked here? You know, teach me something that I might have done differently. I Yeah, I mean, I'm just listening to you go because there's so much to that. Um, you know, we can't lose sight of that. I mean, our game can always be better. We got to learn. I was just thinking, I did, I did a podcast just earlier today with another guy and he brought up the fact that you got to learn from your mistakes. And you said that before too. And it's, it's this like constant theme, but we have to be willing to understand that we're going to make mistakes and the willingness comes from learning from them. Like we can make mistakes over and over, but if we're never going to learn from them, if we're never going to ask to be critiqued or we want feedback, like I love hearing from people when they're like, Hey, you could have done this better or next time, you know, or give an attaboy and then follow it up with, Hey man, you know, it was a good job. I like the placement, but next time four feet over, you know, or whatever, the, whatever that's the what conversation. Exactly. That, and that's what I want. Yeah. Because, I'm never going to be in, listen, when I went over there and worked with him, I was like, we talked that first night. I said, listen, I've never been on a ladder truck. I have no idea what I'm doing. And I'm going to mess up. Believe me, I'm going to. But, you know, help me along. You know, we'll train, do everything to do, throwing ladders, whatever, searching, and just bring me up to speed. And even now, it's this, I'm in the same way. I mean, I, I, want, I want the critique. Yeah. Well, it's, I'm, a, I'm a man. I ain't got my feelings. 
Oh, God. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, there's so much to that, but man, we got a lot of hurt feelings these days. You know, and then don't get don't let's not get started on that. No, I know, I know. (laughs) No, but listen, I think it's important to talk about though too because listen, there are guys that like when when you're matter of fact with them or you have an issue with them and you address it with them, they buckle, they shut down, they think like life's over, you're not gonna be friends anymore. And I'm like, listen, man, I'm still your good friend, but like, pick up your shit, do better. Like, and and I expect the same for me, right? Like, we need to be able to have yes, tough sir. conversations. If we're expected to go out, bleed and sweat and get hurt and injured and die on this job, we should be able to have fucking hard conversations. I agree. I, mean, I tell, I have a lot of friends that have promoted. You know, I elected not to promote after I made the show for because I don't get the the. the I'm not, I don't play fair. I probably wouldn't be a good officer, <laughs> but. Uh, I mean, I always tell guys because you know, I work with them and they get, make officer rank, and then they start having problems with their friends. I'm like, listen, man, uh, one of my best friends is my officer at my side job, and I'm like, you know, we're here and it's it's business. You're my boss today. If you can't be my boss, then we ain't friends. I need to realize that a, if you're having to be my boss, I chose for you to be my boss at this moment. I did something. That I know I should have done, or whatever it may be. I'm making you come to me on my choice. And if we're friends, uh, you can be my boss when you need to. And I'm fine with that because obviously I chose for you to call me in the office and chew my ass for something. Yeah, I, I think the I think the interesting part of that conversation, whether career or volunteer, because we have people from all you know every corner oh, of the fire yeah. service that listen, right. The thing is this, like the volunteer fire service is even harder because a lot of times it's an elected position upon, upon your peers and you know how that goes. And so, but the thing is so this. popularity. Yeah, I mean popularity. But the other thing too is you could have a, a buddies that rise up through the ranks while other guys don't. And then there's this animosity that happens. And I think what the biggest thing we have to do is we got to be conscious of the respect for one another. Like, and I, I think we're losing that. Like, I there's nothing wrong with you know, uh, with having a, a, a good friend being a, a power position, a boss position, a company officer, a chief position, all. right? And you can still maintain Not that. You can still maintain that friendship like it's always been. However, there has to be a level of respect for one another in each other's position, and there, that level of respect is truly what friendships are built on anyway. So there shouldn't be these animosity, these issues between, unless there's problems outside of the firehouse. You know what I'm saying? There's yeah, yes, sir. Yeah, but I, but on, on the flip side of that is yeah, I think there's a there's a big lost uh, in transition in the fire service where these guys think that you can promote uh, respect and you can promote ability. Yeah, because a lot of guys think, well, you know, and we see it everywhere. Y'all see it up there. A guy gets a gold badge on his chest all of a sudden. And he knows more than everybody does. He needs to train everybody. I'm like, no, you spent the first 10 years of your career being a piece of shit. And all of a sudden, now you get a badge. It's like, well, you want to polish that badge on everybody. Okay? I got I got 100% respect for your position. But you cannot promote respect yeah. as a person. You understand? I mean, in my... Losing your no, like, no, no. I'm actually writing that down. You cannot promote. Uh, what'd you say? You cannot promote pro respect or respect. knowledge. Yep. You know, and, I mean, I know, I know some guys in the Houston Fire Department. Or the guy I worked with years ago, 
I mean, he spent 42 years riding backwards. Yeah. You, you know, know if, the, if I'm a young officer, I'm like, hey, I'm coming to you, and I'm going to suck every bit of life you got inside of you to learn something from you. Yeah, you know what I love, though? I love how, you know, the guys that promote with with respect, so the, the guys that are that are fake, right? They, they have a shitty career. They can promote it up the line. They're still shitty. The only people they're yep. fooling, the only people they're fooling are the people that didn't know them in their early years, and that's the thing. But the guys and girls that have the same amount of time or know people that have the same amount of time and have open ears and watch, I'll tell you, man, they see right through it. And, and it gets and that's where there's a lot of pushback. Right. That's where all they do then is hide behind paper and put things on paper because that's all they have. If you called them to a gun, you know, if you call them to a gunfight, man, they couldn't show up because you'd have to actually pull the gun and, and pull the trigger. Right. These guys would only yep. they would only show you their permit. You know what I mean? Like exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, and and so I think what's fun about that though is like we can hold people accountable for that. And the guys typically that have years in are willing to have these hard conversations. And I've had them. I'm sure oh. you have too. I mean, you oh have yeah, to do it. You know, there's there's you know, there's times like you know being the the wife West brought the fire service. I still run. I run our station. I tell all the new guys and our guys know there's a chain of command here. Okay. If you're the new guy and you have a question or a comment or a concern, go to the guys on the floor. If they can't answer that, then they'll bring it to me. If I can't answer that, then I'll go to the captains with the job. That's just the way I was raised in the fire service. The senior man runs the fire station. Yeah. There's no reason why the, 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 the new guy should be in the captain's office questioning things. Never. If that happens, we have failed on the floor. I try to keep everything we have on the floor unless I can't control it or handle it. And then I go to the boss's office and say, hey, this is what's going on. I think what's important about that, though, is what you said. You have those conversations with the new people when they come in. And all you're doing is paving. You're, you're just ed educating them about the lay of the land. We're not we don't do that often enough anymore to tell people what those back to what we were talking about, the level of expectation. The expectation is if there's an issue, it comes up through the floor be, and it comes to me before it goes anywhere else. Like when you can do that and people, people have a respect for that, then there's no question. Right. I think the problem, 100%. the problem is soft leaders don't lay out uh, expectation because then they're held to it. And the leaders that don't oh, yeah. follow, right? Leaders that don't follow yes. the own expectations that they roll out for everyone else, that's where the problem is. I agree. Yeah. It, it, to, to me, it's it's me trying to hold on what tradition we have left in the fire service. Because you and I both know there's not a whole lot left. Uh, you know, we're trying to keep, we're, we're trying to keep it up. We're trying to bring it up. But now this whole everybody has feelings. I mean, I came to the fire service with like. We used to have uh, postings in the city. Used to be a posting would come out for transfers, and your job was to call the station. Hey, right. cat, my name's so and so, and the cat would tell you, "No, piss, piss off! I don't want you." I've heard about you. You know exactly. <laughs> and then today and nowadays, there are guys aren't even allowed to call. Yep, it's against the rules now. Yep, because it's and honestly. I don't care what the rules say. If I was ever going to leave where I'm at now, I'm going to call that officer because I don't want to go somewhere I'm not wanted at. Yeah. And yeah. walk into that horn's nest. Yeah, I, I, I get that. I, I think um, I think we still need to do this. I think, you know, you're 
Listen, man, at the end of the day, like, I don't know any boss that wants subpar people in their in their company. And if they if they have them there and that's a safe haven for them, well, then that speaks to what kind of boss you are. Plain and simple. hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. All right. So let's we change. Don't, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. You're good, bro. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, let's change course a little bit. We're beating that up pretty good. I want to go back to, <laughs> I want to go back to, you were talking about being a pipe man and, uh, and then going over to the truck and you had said, Hey man, I'm new to this. I don't know anything about it. I got to learn it. So as we go, let me know what I'm doing right, what I'm doing wrong. Talk to me about the truck. Cause I know you're super passionate about being a truck operator, um, and, uh, and being a part of a truck company. Uh, versus the engine. This isn't to bash the engine, but you you made some good points earlier when we were chatting. Yeah, I just you know I spent almost seven years on an engine company, and the chief I worked for the time, uh, unfortunately, he got uh, terminal cancer and retired. So like the whole crew was disbanding, and I jumped ships over to a truck house, and uh, met my officer that I drive now, and like we. You know, First day officer brings to his office and you talk about things, what's to expect. You know, he's very good at that. Every new person we have, they bring us to the office the first day and they get everything laid out to him, whether he's operate, what we expect, everything. And I just <clears throat> told him, you know, I said, you know, I've, I've been on an engine company for seven years. I don't know shit about a ladder truck. And listen, I'm going to mess up. I know I am. And I'm going to learn from it. You know, you know, I, I have, <laughs> I kind of have a little pet peeve. Just don't yell at me. Once you start chewing my ass, I'm staring holes through your face, and I'm not even listening to one word you say. Yeah, I don't. Re- no, I don't think anyone responds that way. And that that was old school fire department. So I've got a several of those, and I've seen them over the years. But I, I just don't respond with that. But you know, once I got on the truck, I'm like, man, this is this is where it's at. I've been missing out for a long time. Yeah, I may ride on the truck these days, but I still keep my original snagger tool by Modus Fire Rescue on me at all times just in case those guys on the engine need some help moving the line. The snagger is great for that and many more things. It's also great for used for breaking tempered glass or in a pinch as a spanner wrench. So head over to modusfirerescue.com and use code THESIZEUP, one word, to save yourself 5%. This episode's brought to you by Taylor's Tins. Taylor and his crew at Taylor's Tins have been manufacturing aluminum helmet fronts since 2017 with over 200,000 tins in the market they are a leader in the helmet front space custom design one-offs to department orders they can turn them around within 24 to 48 hours customer service is what they pride themselves on and they provide nothing but top shelf product and service to their customers Check them out at taylorstins.com and check out their full line of product offering. They've always been a very strong supporter since day one with the National Fire Radio podcast and platform. And Taylor and his crew have become dear friends of ours, and we appreciate the support. And at checkout, for a little extra bonus, use coupon code NFRSENTME. That's NFRSENTME for a discount on your order. Exclusions do apply. Anyway, check out taylorstins.com for the latest and greatest offerings from Taylor and his crew. And in the words of Taylor, stop burning up leather. <laughs> so, t- so nothing, nothing against engine guys. I'm no, just saying. You but know, you, just, you made a comment before, and it's I don't I don't want to take it out of context, but you said engine <laughs> this is gonna come out of context. You said engine is limited work. But you don't mean that you don't mean that in a detrimental way because there's such a craft for no, getting a line in position, getting no. water on a fire. There's so much to that. But that is the sole mission of the engine. Whereas the truck, 
allows for a lot of flexibility and a very wide range of work to be performed. And that, that, that's 100% true in, like, Houston. Now, where my side job's right here, we don't have dedicated truck companies. Yeah. So you might you might pull up on an engine second do, and they give you a ventilation job up top. Right. They might tell you to search. Yeah. Okay? But as for in the city, where the full-time job is, I mean, to me, it was, you know, and don't get me wrong. I love fighting fire. I, I love it. Yeah. But to me, it's like once you do that, then you're kind of like done. That's that's your whole assignment. On the truck, you know, it could be rescue, ventilation, search. And on top of that, you get dispatched to uh, trench collapses, high angle rescues. It's just there's more opportunities to make runs. Yeah. You have a yep. broader base of calls to be dispatched to. Yeah, you know what else I like about the truck too, and and something that just stands out to me is a lot of time it's independent work. It's independent yes. work, but it's done as a company, right? So it's like you know every every position on that truck has a job that has to get done, but a lot of times it's being done solo, meaning you're pushing yourself, you're you're testing yourself each time without leaning back on somebody else to support you. You know, if you get sent to the roof, typically you're going up there by yourself. Now, yeah, I mean, maybe you guys don't work that way in Houston. I'm just thinking about, you yeah, know, no. like my world. But it's like, or yes. you get, you know, you get sent to the rear to throw ground ladders, or you get, you know, OV. These are singletary positions, but they add to the greater whole. Well, on top of just as a as a as a chauffeur. Yeah. I mean, to me, I thought stand the pump panel was the worst job in the fire department. That's just boring. On, on driving a truck, I mean, you're always throwing liars to get the fan out, you know, getting more to, more hooks out, whatever it may be. And the, the, the truck chauffeur that's next to us in our territory, me and him work great together. We both do our job. We, we work together. And he knows if we're first due, he needs to come from the backside so we can get trucks in the right positions. And we'll meet him pipe together for a long time, too. We've been friends for years. And it makes the job easier. Like to me, as a truck chauffeur, there's always something to do. Yeah. I, always. I, I love I love the position. I, I do. I, oh, I yes. think that it's such a dynamic position. And not only that, but as a chauffeur, as a good one, whether engine or truck. I mean, engine, you get stuck at the pump panel a lot of times, right? Especially if you're running multiple lines yeah. or whatever it is. But even uh -huh. that, after, after, you know, things are, you know, after the first five, ten minutes of a fire, typically that panel settle, you know, and everything's on autopilot for the most part, right? But what I yes, love, sir. it's a self-starting position. Like you can you yes. can take so much initiative as a chauffeur because there's so many jobs on the fire ground that can be done under your control. Oh yes, and the thing is, is I still like the pressure of when you're first due. It's all on me. I drove an engine. Hey, I got to get water. Yep. I get lines. All those things on the truck. I got to get the truck spotted in the right place. If they're going to the roof, get the right liars thrown in the right positions and get all the tools they need out there. So it, I like the pressure of that. I mean, because you and I both know when you're fifth due to a fire, it's not a lot of fun. No. You know? No. Who I wants, would tell who guys wants all the to time, be there? I'll ask guys, you know, how many fires y'all made in the last year? Oh, man, we probably made 15 or 20. No, how many did you set a break on? <laughs> Those are the ones that count to me. I love that. When you show up fifth due, or it's a mutual aid call or automatic aid assignment, and you get there 10 minutes into it. I mean, it's, it's, a, you're just following directions. But when you're first due, engineer truck, pull up there, spotting the apparatus, placing the ladders, 
that's a true test. I I agree with you 100%. There's an art to it. There's an absolute you know? art to it, and it tests our people, and I, I love it. I absolutely agree with you 100, 100% on that. Talk to me about where we are today. 23 years in, you love the position you're in. You love the boss you chauffeur for. You're going to probably end up retiring in that position, it sounds like. I mean, it just sounds like you're in a really good place. Your career, oh, yeah. your career over the 23 years, I mean, there's probably been some changes along the way. Um, um. The, the, <laughs> so... So, I mean, I'm kind of yeah. gently asking, kind of gently asking, like you had said to me before, you're like, I got to, I, I always ask my guests, right? And I said this to you before we started, like, what are the things that keep you up at night? Good things, bad things, things you think about, and you're like, oh, don't even get me started on my pet peeves. I kind of want to yeah. hear a couple of them. I think that we should go down this road a little bit because I think you're... The way you come across, I think, is fantastic because you're still very much excited about the job. But, man, there's a couple things that you're like, no, we need to do better here. And the one quote I wrote down from you, I love it. If you ain't got no sweat in the skill, I'm not listening. I think there's so much I, mean, I think there's so much merit there, man. I really do. I just – I think it's – it's, you know, like we, we, we talked about the paper certifications earlier. Yeah. I have a whole stack of certifications. But I'm not good in two-thirds of them. I won't, I won't lie to you. All right? When I teach a fire class, I can sell the class through experience, mistakes, and knowledge. Okay? I have a hazardous materials technician certification. I haven't done nothing with hazmat since 1998. <laughs> when you got the paper. <laughs> I got the paper, though. Yeah, it right. says I, I can it. do it. Okay? I get it. So but many of us are like that. Go ahead. Yeah. But I won't go teach a hazmat class because unless I just beat you death with a PowerPoint, I got nothing to tell you. Right. And I look at a lot of – I'm a big judge of character, especially when someone's giving me a class. I can tell you within the first five minutes, this guy is reciting the article at a firehouse magazine to me or mm. he's done it before. Mm. And I think so – I think the fire service has transitioned so much to where the, the promotion of guys based off of sweat is gone. It's solely now who has a resume and can sell more shit to the guy interviewing him. I, I think what's really interesting is the guys with sweat are typically the guys that are now seen as uh, the rebel rousers or trying to buck the trend because the trend <laughs> has be, because the trend has become so paper forward, you know, that I now agree. They, agree. we vilify guys with experience. I mean, I think about a couple of guys from your job that are, that are close friends of mine that I've gotten to know over the years. We spoke about them earlier before we hit record. Like these are guys that are constantly pushing for the right of the job, meaning the, the, the brothers and sisters pushing for them, pushing for the civilians that were sworn to protect. And like when the mission gets skewed and all of a sudden the priority skews from that, it's a frightening proposition, man. I, I was told years ago, who gets in trouble in the fire department? Hmm. And I was like, well, hell, I don't know. And he goes, the guys that want to do their jobs are the guys that are getting in trouble. The guys that sit back and hide and don't try to push things and do things, they'll never get in trouble. I love that. Have you, have you, have you I mean, like, who is it? I don't, I'm not going to name drop people. Yeah, but yeah, I, I, was told one, yeah. I, was, I was told once by a guy, You'll never see a coward get in trouble. You'll never see a coward get in trouble. I love that. Nuh-uh. 
because they'll blend in the crowd and just be part of the crowd, you know. And we had a, a fire years ago that guys got in trouble because they were ignoring dispatch and just going over there to help out. And I'm like, why are they getting in trouble? These guys are the guys that you want there. Yes. I don't. I, if I'm, if, if, if God forbid, if I'm ever trapped in a building again. I want guys there that want to come get me. I don't want guys like, oh, shit, we're third in. They're just in, in there, uh, you know. You know, I mean, I'm real big about anything can happen at any moment. It's happened to I you. Your guys. Yes, sir. You've, yeah, had, 100%. you've had more than one close call. I know that. And I, I would love for you to maybe talk about that a little bit because it, it puts in perspective this whole conversation of why you're so passionate about the way you talk. It's because you've been in situations on the job that have literally been very, very close calls. Yes, sir. You know, I, I think a lot of guys, like everyone says, complacency kills. That's that's so true. Because yeah. a lot of guys say, it ain't going to happen to us. It's not going to happen here. We don't make fires here. Whatever their story may be. But once you've been, I'll just say this. When you've uh, been in zero visibility, uh, sucking a mask to your face by yourself. I think that takes your level of uh, care commitment to the job to another level mm. because it's like, what do they always say? Uh, if you're, I can beat the shit out of a punching bag in the gym. Yeah. But until somebody punches me back, yep. I might not like this. Yeah. And in the fire service, like I tell guys all the time, it's a little different for me because I've been in that position. I know how important it is to hope someone's going to come find you again, get you. Mm. I don't want that to happen to y'all, but if you understand, we have to be prepared for that to happen at any moment. Cause when it, ha- when it happens, no one's thinking it's going to happen. So let's be proactive to be trained for that. So when it does happen, we can re- react to it and respond the way it needs to be responded to it. When, when you're fa- when you're faced with with that, when you're put in that position, I mean, you, you know, back in two thousand uh, two thousand seven, you're awarded the Medal of Valor from the Houston Fire Department for an unbelievable uh, rescue you were involved with, uh, an incredible set of circumstances. Um, and there's been some other instances where you've been in you know very tough and close calls, like you just spoke about as well. When when you come away from that, um, you manage it, you deal with it, and you come back to it. Uh, does that have a big part of why, like, I think it could go two ways when you have a super close call like that, it could set you on a a path down a road of like, all right, been there, done that. I'm that's too close for me. I'm going to scale myself back a little bit or it goes the other way, right? You're like, I've seen it. I've been there. This is what we've talked about. This is what we trained for. I've been there. I've been fortunate enough to walk away from it. And now that fuels you to just do more, be more, be better, and push others to do more. Is that it? Yes, sir, because I know it can happen. Yeah. I know any instant it can happen. I don't think a lot of people plan on that happening because I don't, you know, is it they think that it's just not us? It doesn't happen here. We're not a big department, you know? But when it happens to you, it changes my whole perspective of my job. I know that it can't happen. The day those things happen, you're at the station, you're hanging out, you're BSing, you're having coffee, sitting on the table, BSing, and then something happens. My old chief always tell us, 
you're one second away from changing your life forever. That's never a truer word spoken. I mean, the way that the the way that we run, right? The the boops come out. Yeah. You don't know what you don't know where you're being sent. You don't know where you're going. No, no, and those kind of you know those kind of calls or fires or instances they bring to life what this job really means and what really could happen. Mm. You know, it's like we do mayday training or writ training. It's still training. You and I both know I can't train fear or excitement, you know, or heat. I can't, I can't, I can't light you on fire and say, figure it out. Right. But there could be a moment in your career where that happens to you and you have to deal with it and work through it and get through it, you know? If it doesn't affect you, there's something wrong with you, I think, you know? I mean, everybody has that part of it that it affects. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, would you mind talking about the mid-rise fire of the North Loop? Uh, yeah. Uh, that fire dropped. We were at the station, and we were listening to it. Cause it was, I was still downtown. And uh, we're on a high-pressure engine. So when it went to a 211 for a working fire, they sent us over there and uh, just, you know, driving over this to the fire and radio. It didn't think it was that bad of a deal. You know, they were pulling people out of ladders yeah. off the fifth floor. A lot of grabs being made, said, right? Over ladders? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. And uh, the chief's like, hey, just get them all off the, off the, uh, out of the windows. We'll open up ladder pipes and just call it a day. So I didn't think much of it. You know, it just sounded like whatever. And uh, we got there and there was still, uh, three people on the phone with dispatch. They were still on the fifth floor. And uh, the company I was on, we went in uh, on the ground level and went up to five uh, in the stairwell and got out and uh, left one of the firemen at the door. I mean, the captain went across the building, found where all the fire was all at. So let's go back to the hose line. And, you know, didn't, didn't think a whole lot of it, man. I mean, yeah. I thought, you know, this isn't, you know, even though it was, you know, zero dark 30 on the, on the ground floor. So we went up five floors and zero visibility to the fifth floor mm. and, uh, come back and, uh, kind of crew got this. We all got split up me and their pipeman and the captain did. Yeah. And, uh, it got down to where it's like, uh, the captain had a, had a grab on the fifth floor. Me and the firemen were at the stairwell door and, uh, couldn't find him. Had no idea where he was at. Uh, and low air alarm went off. That's our, our second time up to five on a 45 minute bottle. Mm. And, uh, couldn't find him. Radio traffic just couldn't. And, uh, you know, I t- tell guys all the time, this is a good, great friend of mine, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, always never going to leave you. But, you know, when you're something, something self survival takes over when you're five floors in the air and that mask sucks to your face, it kind of changes things a little bit. <laughs> I won't tell you it I, doesn't. No, I'm I'm sure it does. I mean, I've never been faced with I've never been fa- put in that position, but I can only imagine. Can only imagine. And uh, so we started hauling butt down, me and the other fireman. And uh, somewhere between two and one, I lost him in the stairwell. Uh, went down the last flight of stairs on my back into the wall. Couldn't find him. And very disoriented. The way I thought we came in, I went from the. I mean, y'all, y'all use A, B, C, D, or one, yeah. two, three? A, B, C, D. Okay, I went from A, B to C, D corner. Mm. Uh, 
just staring through the glass. It's all fire and stay outside everywhere. They just couldn't do nothing. And uh, I'm taking hits now because it's already I'm already it's out of air. I'm just cracking my seal, taking hits. Yeah. I just for some reason said go back the way I came, and I walked back across the atrium style building. I walked back across the foyer and uh, hit the A wall and just turned, started walking left, and then I found the other fireman that was with me, uh, unconscious on the ground. Uh, went down to pick, grab him by short shot, started dragging him, and I just saw this big ass light. It's the last thing I remember, and then I woke up in an ambulance. Oh shit! Apparently, uh, my chauffeur at the time they had forced the A side door, and he said that. He said he saw my pants walking through the smoke and yelled it in there, but I never heard that. Mm. And he said that in the middle of the air, I came uh, outside dragging the air firefighter out of the front door of the building. Mm. And then I, I don't, I remember seeing that big ass light, and I remember hearing them say Herman Code Three. And I was like, what? And I was, we, were, we were in the back of the ambulance with the twelve lead on and nasal cannula and all that EMS shit. Yeah. I was like, I was like, whoa, 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 is Cat not yet? I was like, no, I said, well, we ain't leaving. Sorry. And got out and, you know, tried to go back in to go get him. But they said, no, no, we're not sending nobody in. You know, and then luckily, uh, he did 26 minutes without air on the fifth floor. Wow. Sucking roach eggs out of carpet. And uh, got all the three victims into a combined area. And finally had enough snap to identify a ladder truck on the outside of the building. And then we started uh, using the aerial to start just stabbing through windows, breaking glass out. Yeah. He, thankfully, he was standing there. And, and, and I know he was messed up because the guy's terrified of heights. And he jumped off the tip of the ladder on the fifth floor. So Jesus. I know he wasn't right in the head. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jeez. I was, I, was reading, I was reading up on this uh, before we started this morning, and I was just reading through it a little bit. And, uh, I mean, just, you know, uh, wouldn't leave the victims uh, face to the floor. Um, conditions were lights out, like you said, and what you dealt oh, yeah. with also. I mean, it's just, it's it's overwhelming when you think about five stories. I mean, this isn't, you know, this isn't a, a two-story wood frame, right? Like, this is a no. com- commercial building, basically. It's a mid-rise, right? So, I mean, yes, and it's a five-story. I mean, this is this is not ordinary construction that uh, you know you could punch no. out a bedroom window and and bail if you had to. This is five stories up, yeah. completely encased. Um, now, when you made yep. the ground, when you made the ground floor, and you came across the other firefighter, were you able to remove him yourself, or did you? Yes. Okay, no, so yeah. you don't remember I, I it, but. No, I remember reaching down to grab him. I came back from uh, CB to AB. And the reason why we know I know all this stuff, I kind of had a memory of it. But when they took us back over there afterwards, I you can see all my footprints in the sit in the floor, and you can see my hand marks on the walls where, yeah. I, where I made the. But I remember when I turned, hit the A side wall, and I went back to walking towards D. You can see my hands hit the wall flat. I turned and started walking. I remember I just looked down and I saw the yellow reflection of his helmet's just barely moving a little bit. Wow. And I remember when I reached down to grab his shoulder straps, my hands were like 12 inches in diameter. They were huge. Yeah. You know, and then I remember picking the shoulder straps up and I was just dragging them forward. And that's the last I remember till I woke up back of the ambulance. Wow. It's incredible. So survived, yeah. right? I know the civilian, there were civilian deaths though, right? But, uh, yes, but the three. crew, but the crew, your, your company, everybody made it, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. Unbelievable. Yes, yeah, so we, we uh, 
we were back the next day on duty. What is that? Yes, sir. Jesus. So what is that? What is that like? Did you need to get back? Like, oh God, yes, you did. Oh, God, so there, yes. there was, there was no, yeah. no time for me to go think about this elsewhere. I need to get back on I, the, get back on the line. I don't want, I don't want, want the time. And the next day on, we made two side by side burner ass off. So it's like to throw you right back into it. But I, I, I won't lie to you. You know, like we all have our weaknesses. You know, yeah. That fire there, uh, kind of like took a big chunk out of my career. I won't lie to you. Mm. You know. What do you mean by uh, that? I just I. Since that day there on, I'm not your tight space guy. Okay. I'm not. I'm not your confined space guy at all. I get it. And what that came from being the the the, the darkness and the out of air, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's just you know, I think everybody on the on on the on the, the, the company has a job. <laughs> I'm not your whole guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not. not your I'm not guy. going in there. <laughs> That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get it, man. I'll throw ladders for you all day long. I'll do, you know. Sure. Hey, sure. like I said, all, all, all my worth is from the shoulders down. Uh, <laughs> Love that. You know, that's that's it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I appreciate I appreciate you sharing that with us because I just think it puts it in perspective. Because of all the things you're talking about and taking this kind of like hard line on how we need to be and and what we expect from people on the job, you know, it comes with the sweat that you talk about. I mean, you've put the sweat in to be able to talk about what you're talking about, and that's where experience matters. And, um, you know, and it's – yeah, go ahead. And that's where – I think we've made this big curve in the fire service, you know. The old senior guys that know this job, like you said, they kind of are the outcasts now because they're not conformance with the paper resume mm. and all these kind of things. I mean, to me, in my younger years, even now, you know, I sit around and listen to the old guys, you know? Yeah. That's how you, I, I listened to the, the cast the other day. You were talking with the the chief from, uh, you were talking about the old guys telling stories over and over again. Yeah. The young guys should listen to them. Yeah. Because I know it's a side job. We talk about some of the same fires all the time. The guy's like, God dang, you're going to come that fire again? I'm like, well, yeah, that's, that was a significant fire. This is what happened. You need to learn from it. Hell you know? yeah. I, I, I can't agree. I, I got so much feedback from that uh, short episode that I did where I was just talking about, you know, different things. And I talked about how important it is to just listen to the stories, whether you've heard them once or a or hundred times told by the same guys. It's so important because it is a way of learning, too. Right. Uh, a buddy of mine, Mickey Farrell, when he talks about, you know, how many fires have you been through? He's like, I've been to thousands. I've been to thousands and thousands of fires because every fire I look at online in a picture, in a video, on top of all the ones that I actually go to and experience physically, he goes, that's a fire that we visited. What do you take away from that? Right? Like, and, and I think a lot of tons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but and I, mean, I still, I still burn down buildings in the morning. I down to work. That's I'll right. drive by a building going to work and I'll pick it out. And I, I'm listen, I'm never going to be instant command guy. Never going to be. But I still run through my head what needs to be said, what needs to be covered, you know, utilities, extra EMS units on scene. All, it just, because like you said, if that's the case there, I made thousands of fires too, because I've about burnt down every building in my that's house. Right. That's right. I'm driving by. I'm with you. And I think there's something about <laughs> that. The guys that do that, they're dialed in, and I, I do it all the time. I look at, like, especially now, because I do a lot of chauffeuring now, and it's typically an engine. So, like, I'm always looking at positioning, water, 
where the lines, you know, if we're going to pull off the rear or pull off the side, where are we parking for that, right? What kind of stretch do we have? What kind of water supply do we have? No, you and know, that, and, and that speaks so much because most guys don't put that much thought into it. Yeah, I do. I have to. I'm you know, like, it's that. like I had a, you know, like dry, you know, I probably should have almost said anyways, I don't give a shit. Uh, to me, as a chauffeur, my, my pet peeve is guys that are chauffeurs that their gears and gear bags. Hmm. That just tells me you ain't plan on doing nothing. Right. Right. You know, my gear is in the truck the way it's jacket and helmet first and the pant. It, it comes off because at most fires, I at least have my hitches on in a helmet. Most of the time, I got full gear on besides the air pack. Yeah. Yeah. And a and- lot of guys don't plan on even doing that. I'm like, man, I, I'm, I, I want to get in there. I get more dirty and sweatier now driving than being in the environment. Is that part of the chauffeur uh, position, though, for for Houston? Does the truck does the truck operator go to the roof, or does he, or is it more? No, no, no. Okay, no, we're we're, we're, we're crew for an assignment. They send a whole crew of three up there to go to the roof. But okay. you know, as a truck chauffeur, you're a lot more in the Adelaide area. Yeah, you know, I'm, they're banging windows out of two stories or whatever, and I'm so I put all my gear on. I just, you know, plus the only chance I got to get in dirty hell. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Still want to work. Absolutely. Exactly. You yeah. know, exactly. Yeah. You know, I still, I still love doing the job and that makes me feel like part of the team and shows that everyone around me, that, Hey, that guy's ready to go to work. Look at him. Yeah. What's you next? Know? What's next for you? Man, brother, I'm enjoying day to day. I got, you know, a son leave for college in a few weeks. Good. And I got nice. a 11 year old at the, uh, plays baseball seems like every damn day we're doing all that you know, and working the side jobs and you know just living it man join it love going to work love, love the guys i work with we have a great time you know it's, it's like i said you know it's not about trucks and stations to me it's other guys i work with that's, that's very that's very that's, important and powerful you know i know a lot of guys out here that chase money and chase fancy ass fire trucks and hope for a bunch of pieces of shit I don't. You can put us in a camper on the side of the road. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> you know, that's, that's fantastic. No, but I mean, it makes, I mean, it it is. makes sense. It it makes sense, right? It's like the foundational. Like you could you could roll up in the in the the most expensive and and high end apparatus that's on the market, but it doesn't mean anything if you don't have the guys no. in it, right? No, uh, no. It, it, that's what we said earlier. You know, it's. To me, the, the enjoyment of going to work is is knowing the guys I work with that there's never going to be a question. Yeah, they're always going to be standing right behind you or right in front of you. You never have to doubt or even worry if they're coming or going with you. You know, as as, as for our officer, being with the guys we've had, the training that we do, I mean, and I've never been an officer before, but it's got to be awesome to pull up and just yell to the back, "Hey, we're going to the roof. We're going to have to search." And everybody on that truck knows what tools to grab, what they're doing with them, and what we're, where we're going to be at. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did it. We did some training the other day, and I was kind of got my little soapbox with several different agencies. And I was like, you know, I kind of called the, the officers out. I said, you know, if, if you are waiting till something happens to tell your guys or teach your guys what tools they need to grab, what they need to do, then you're failing as an officer. I agree with you on that. I agree. There should there should never be a time that you may pull up on something and they give you an assignment and you have to look to the back and tell those guys what tools to grab and what jobs they need to go do. All these things should have been covered beforehand. 
I couldn't agree. You're not making a plan for a fire. You're not making a plan for a fire. You're making a plan for an assignment. If they send us to the roof, you're getting this, you're getting that, you're cutting, you're punching through it. Everything, everybody has a job and knows what tools to grab. And that's what makes the job great. There is that. There is that uh, at the end when we come back and we, we, you know, whether you call it a hot wash or you, you know, the critique at the end, right? Where we're all standing, yes, sir. standing around, backstep, front bumper, whatever it is, right? There is something yes, so satisfying when a job goes well and everybody was in the right place doing the right thing. And because the foundation from which you all learned from allowed you to do that, there's this overwhelming sense of like completion. You know what I mean? Like it just comes full oh, circle. Oh, oh, yeah. No, I love it. That's like I tell when I go to my boss afterwards after a fire and say, hey, good, bad. Hey, that was perfect. Yeah. To me, that's, hey, what you're doing is working, son. Keep on doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Stay some, focused. Yep. There's something to be said for that. And I, I would challenge anybody listening to this podcast that if you're in a department or a company where you don't get that sense of, of uh, I don't know, fulfillment at the end of a fire, right? I mean, there's going to be things, the, the, the conversation's going to go like this. I think we should have done better here, here, and here. This is what I really liked. We did this, this, and this well. But if everybody came to play and everybody had all the remedial, elementary, the, the things that should just not even be questioned, if all that was taken care of and those weren't any of the issues, it's a win, man. The fulfillment there is like mission forward. We're doing well here. Now we can pick up our game another level. 100%, brother. 100%. I love it. I love, I it. love it too, man. That's well, awesome. My man, thank you. You know, believe it or not, hey, that's, man, I that's appreciate an hour it, man. already. That's how quick this podcast goes when we have good conversation. Oh, wow. But I, I will say this. Thank you for sharing a story about the Mid-Rise Fire. Um, I know that was uh, that was a close one for you. Uh, and yes, uh, I'm sure it's not, you know, uh, guys that are willing to talk about their experience and their careers help others, and people are going to listen to that, and, and they're going to get some information out of that that could potentially help them. So I appreciate I you so. sharing that. Yeah. And, man, I would I, – we got to continue this conversation another time. I, I love – I absolutely love from where you're coming from and uh, no sweat in the skill. I'm not listening. I think there's so much merit to that. And uh, I want to challenge anyone listening to this podcast that uh, experience over paper. And, uh, and I think that matters. Yes, sir. Beautiful. I, you know, yeah, I, I was worried about it. it comes off as a bad too, but I'm like, you know what? I'm too old to worry about that shit nowadays. Uh, I, I mean, don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with it, man. I don't think it's a bad attitude. I think anyone that construes that as like, oh, I can't believe he's saying that or I have a problem with that, I think they got to check themselves and see see what kind of, you know, career they're having, whether in a volunteer firehouse or in a career firehouse. You got to look at that and question yourself a little bit because anybody that can fault you for wanting you to learn with your hands and learn through experience over, you know, well, I cert, you know, I certified here. I certified here. Like you said, man, Hey, I'm a hazmat tech since 1998. Don't ask me to fucking take care of a spill. It ain't happening. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Nuh-uh. There's, Nuh-uh. there's, call a, the, there's all the green boys in. There's a huge level of truth to that. And anybody that wants to pretend differently, and that might be an extreme, right? Cause it's such a, a difference in forcing, you know, than forcing a door or cutting a roof or stretching a line. But it's the same thing. I can become a firefighter or fire officer, 1, 2, 12, 17, however many certificates you can get for being a fire officer. But if you never rode that front seat or you never managed people under stressful and inherently dangerous situations, what kind of leader are you? 
That's what I ask. Agreed. Right? Uh, I can't. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yes, sir. I know. I, listen, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not lecturing you. I'm pre- just preaching right now. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what this is about. But I think there's there's some level of conversation there that people have to truly look at themselves. And it really comes down to accountability and self awareness for the individual. And so anybody that takes issue with anything that was said today, I would challenge them to look at their own career and and look back and and see if what you're doing and your contribution is really matching what the output should be. That's all. So Yes, sir. Brad, I appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much for joining hey, me today. Thank you, man. Yeah. Enjoyed it. Yeah, stay right here. I'm just going to sign off the podcast. I'll come right back to you, man. Yes, sir. Cool. Thanks again. Everyone, thank you for tuning in for another episode of the National Fire Radio podcast. Brad Asenzi out of Houston, Texas, 23 years in the Houston Fire Department, currently chauffeuring at 18s. What a great conversation. You took offense to it? Good. Go do better (laughs) because you need to. So anyway, Brad, thanks for joining me. Everyone, thanks for tuning in. Take this conversation back to the firehouse and talk about it because when we talk about the job, we're making the job better. We'll see you at the next one. Jeremy, National Fire Radio.